Welcome. Welcome this morning to our service. TC Home, all of you at home watching, those of you on Facebook, YouTube, on our app, on the uh, church's tc.org site. Welcome to all of you. I hope that all is well with you. I hope your families are well. I pray that God's covering has protected you as he has promised this whole week long. This has been a difficult, challenging week for us as a family. We have had some friends who were alive last Sunday to move on and not with us this Sunday physically here in the earth, but they're, they're alive in the kingdom. And so this morning is, I was riding in and I, listening to a song that really blessed me. It says, Waymaker, Miracle Worker, Promise Keeper, Light in the Darkness. That is who you are. He is really a Waymaker. He is a Miracle Worker. He is a Promise Keeper, and He's definitely a light in the darkness. So, my hopes are high. I'm I'm looking forward to what God is doing. One of the things that I'm confident about is Ephesians 1.11 where it says that all things work according to the counsel of his own will. And so that brings great peace. It helps me establish a worldview of how I see these things. And one of the things I tell people is our God has not been knocked off of his throne and nobody can. And so we are confident in who he is. And therein lies the security in who we are. So if you would for a minute, just go with me in a word of prayer as we get ready to get into today's teaching. I'm excited about what I have to share with you this morning. And TC, let's bow our hearts together and all our friends that are with us all over. Just get out by your hearts with us as we go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we bless you this morning. We know, God, as that song says, you are a way maker. You're a miracle worker. You are a promise keeper. You are light in the darkness. And that's what we need. We need light. The scriptures say that you live, you live in a place of light. And so we need light today. As people who walk in light, we need light in this dark time. And so, Father, I thank you because your word just, it comes to bring light. And today we're going to delve into your word. We're going to unpack what you have to say about us. Holy Spirit, we ask for your wisdom now. You are the smartest person on the planet, and we need your guidance through the ancient text as we expand and open up, and as you open our hearts to receive what God has to say to us. We ask it all in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to be talking to you this morning about a subject that is called disruption. Disruption. I want you to turn with me to Daniel chapter 2. And we're going to read Daniel chapter 2 verses 44, 45. That's our text. And then I'm going to say a few things. And you know how I do. I kind of say a few things and then I come back to the text and unpack it. Um... Daniel chapter 2, verse 44, in the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed. 
nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it will itself endure. This is the meaning of the vision of the rock cut out of a mountain, but not by human hands. A rock cut out of a mountain, but not by human hands. A rock that broke the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold to pieces. The great God has shown the king what will take place in the future. The dream is true, and its interpretation is trustworthy. And I said, we'll unpack that in a minute, but let me say a few things. During the time when Israel was taken, or about to be taken, uh, by Babylon into captivity, Zedekiah was leading Judah, and, and Zedekiah was very concerned. And he says this. He says to Jeremiah, is there a word from the Lord? And Jeremiah gave him the word, maybe not a word he wanted to hear, but he gave him the word of the Lord. And you know, I began asking myself this week, Lord, is there a word from the Lord? And there is a word. God has given us a word. What is God saying in spite of what the government is saying, in spite of what the media is saying, in spite of what the circumstance is saying? What is the Lord saying to the church? What is he saying? Because that's what matters. Whatever he's saying, God is revealing it. He's revealing it in his word. Those who have ears to hear and eyes to see are the ones that are going to pick up on what God is saying. Jesus said to some Pharisaic leaders, he said, he said, you know how to read the sky. But he was fascinated at the fact you guys are religious leaders and you don't even know how to read the signs of the times. Jesus expects us as his followers, his disciples, to be able to read the signs of the times, know what's happening. And there are essentially five sources of authority that govern people's lives. These five sources are what people use to frame their lives around. And, and, and the believer is supposed to focus on one of them. But let me give you the other four. Reason. Reason is a source of authority that we use to govern our lives. And reason is simply what I think is right. Tradition. Tradition is another source of authority. And tradition is what's always been. Culture. Culture is another source of authority. And culture is what everybody else does. And pretty much a lot of us embrace that way of living. That governs our lives. What everybody else is doing. Here's another source of authority. It's called emotion. What feels right. But the believer is supposed to live by one source of authority and one only, revelation. Revelation is what God reveals, what God reveals to us in his word, what he says to us. That's how believers are supposed to live. So my prayer for you this morning as we unpack God's word is that you will embrace this aspect of God's grace today. Learn to live by what God reveals. 
And Jesus said an important statement. He said to those who would lead his church, actually he was talking to the disciples. He said in Matthew 16, 23, he said he turned to Peter and he had just had a conversation with Peter. And here you True Center folks, you know I, I kind of use this as a, as a descriptive every now and then. Jesus, Peter had just received a revelation from, from Jesus, from God about who Jesus was. Jesus asked, who do men say that I am? He goes through that whole process, but he says, who do you guys say that I am? Because his focus was on those that were following him. He's concerned about his disciples knowing who he is. And so Peter says, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus goes through a whole thing, says, this rock I will build my church. Gates of hell won't prevail against it, Matthew 16. But then he begins to explain some things to Pete about his departure, how he has to go to a cross, how he has to die, and he begins to talk about his life moving forward. And Peter comes to him and grabs him and says, not so, Lord, this will not happen to you in so many words. Jesus turns to Peter. He doesn't speak to Peter. He speaks to the spirit that in influenced Peter's words. And he says this in Matthew 16, 23. He says, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me. For you are not setting your mind on things of God, but on things of man. Did you hear that? You're not setting your mind on things of God, but things of man. There are primarily two mindsets operating in the world today. The mindset of God and the mindset of humanity. Jesus references these two mindsets, and he says what matters to Satan is the mind of man. In a world ordered by Satan, sometimes we call it a Luciferian world, humanity is the dominant focus. It is never God. Self is, in fact, Lord of that world. Self is in fact Lord of that world because whatever matters to self also serves Satan. It serves his agenda. That's why in the realm of the kingdom of darkness, self is Lord. At the root of the things of man, there is a worship that man engages. There's a worship in humanity that is primarily humanity's worship. Both mindsets have a form of worship. The things of God, those worship God. Those people worship God. People who are primarily keyed, on, keyed in on the things of man, they worship another God, and that God is called mammon. Jesus referenced this when he was speaking to some religious leaders. In Luke chapter 16, 13, he says, no servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he'll be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. So there are essentially these two operating. One serves the, the, the things of man, the other one the, serves the things of God. Mammon was an Aramaic term, and Jesus knew the people he was speaking to fully understood the terms he was using. He, they understood mammon. They understood its derivative, where it comes from. They understood the idea uh, comes from Babylon. They understood that it means wealth. It means riches. Mammon 
means riches. So Jesus says nobody can serve both at the same time. The Apostle Paul comes along later, as Apostle of Christ, he comes along later and he frames it this way in 1 Timothy 16.10. He says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. The root means the basic cause. It is the basic cause of all kinds of evil. In life, all evil has a basic cause. It is rooted in something. So when we see the things happening around us, we also need to understand what's motivating what we see happening around us. Disruption is an interesting word. Disruption is a major disturbance. It's an interruption of things. That's what a disruption is. A disruption is an interruption of things. In our case right now, today, we are experiencing a disruption. Our lives have been disrupted. The disruption introduces what we would not really accept under normal circumstances. So when you have a disruption, it causes you to embrace things that you would not normally embrace if things were normal. There are two kinds of disruptions. There's one caused by God, and then there's one caused by man. When I say man, understand I'm using it in a generic term to express humanity. Disruption caused by God is motivated by God's love for humanity. Whenever God creates a disruption in humanity, he's doing it because he loves humanity. But disruptions caused by man is a whole different thing. It's motivated by mammon, usually. And so we've seen disruption. We had a disruption in our transportation and how we move about. I was watching 60 Minutes, I think it was a few weeks ago, and they're showing how they're introducing non-driving tractor trailers. Tractor trailers, I mean those things are huge. Coming down the highway with nobody driving it but a computer. And it's coming. We've seen Elon Musk, a very brilliant young man, introduce electric cars. Now the company is its stock is off the, off the charts. Why? Because people are now embracing that disruption. We have electric cars. You have the whole industry being flattened by some kid in a garage who comes up with an idea to change how we live. Uber. Um, the, 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 the hospitality site where people visit from home to home and can, can rent somebody's home to live in where they travel. It doesn't come to me right now. But these things are major disruptions in how business in, is done, how life is done. And so whole industries are upended because somebody comes up with an idea. We're witnessing right now in our culture for the first time that most of us have ever experienced a global disruption, which is, will result in global change. This global disruption will result 
in global change. And one of the things I'm trying to do is spend time at the heart of God, seeing and trying to understand exactly what this is and how God's going to move forward. Because God is already at the end of it. He's already seen the conclusion. The key is what we're witnessing is full-blown. But, but it must also be, things have to be disrupted to get rid of an old system to introduce a new system. You cannot introduce a new system until you disrupt the old. And it has to be disrupted enough for people to be willing to embrace it. Wow. God can step in and heal at any time. He can do it whenever he gets ready. And when he's ready, he, you, we will see some of the things that God is going to do. However, Israel was a, was a people who wandered 40 years to get a, a, a country that they had left out of their system called Egypt. The time is right to purge the church. Hear me, church. The time is right, right now, for God to purge his church. Remember, God often deals with his, his bride. He deals with his bride first. It is time to purge the church of things that I believe have become offensive to God. A disruption will introduce you to new normals. And we have entered a new normal. Guess what? We've entered a new normal even how we eat. People are not running to restaurants. People are not going to fast food. You're eating more healthy now because you've got to cook your food. We're, we're, we're going to be introduced to a new normal financially. Financial new normals. We're going to do things different financially moving forward. We're going to do things different educationally. It's watching my grandchildren doing their homework online. We're going to see most of our social institutions, even how we do church. You know, it's interesting. I'm watching now the push for us to get back to services by Easter. And I kind of know where that comes from. Most of you know where that's coming from. But the issue is we can't dictate to the virus what's happening. The virus seems to be dictating to us what's going to happen and when we will go back. There are so many conspiracy theories floating around. And this is a time when everybody's got a, a word about about why this thing is existing. I, wouldn't take the, I would not take the risk of even, even, even though the, the insight God has given me, there are some things that I just wouldn't say. However, because it's just, not, it's just not expedient. But there are some things that need to be said. And I want to say a few things to you today. But not from a conspiratorial position. I want to say some things to you from a factual position position. Here's a fact. Observe this. There have been an unprecedented number of CEOs who have stepped down from their positions over the recent months. Unprecedented. Bob Iger of Disney stepped down. Bill Gates, Microsoft, he did not step down from CEO, he stepped off of the board. Rich Williams of Groupon, stepped down. Kevin Plank of Under Armour stepped down. 172 
CEOs stepped down last month alone. And over so many, over the next several months, many will be stepping down. Before the world turned upside down, before this virus hit, it's interesting that these people would step off of their boards. But two things are obvious. They cash in their stock and walk away with boatloads of money while avoiding leading their companies through these very uncertain times or this crisis. I found that interesting. And while it's not unusual for a CEO to step down, it's extremely noteworthy that in the midst of soaring profits and the companies are basically doing well, that they leave their companies. And that's interesting. They may not have initiated the crisis, but their response nonetheless and the timing of their response is interesting to me. Globalization and the rapid advance of technology are major causes of disruption. And I need you to pay attention to something that is coming right now. And a lot of the towers are already built. 5G technology. There's been no people, and if you study the history of this people, God says in, in the book of Corinthians, I think it's chapter 2, it says, these people are our example. So we're supposed to know and, and pay attention to this group of people. There's been no group of people that have experienced disruption throughout history in their existence like Israel. It is this people group we see God's pattern in disruptions. Being considered the chosen people of God put a bullseye on their back. And Israel's experienced disruptions throughout their history. They've had several leaving Egypt leaving Babylon, moving into Rome, and they have their own issues in Rome. Egypt was a transition from slavery to freedom. Babylon was a, a disruption as they were taken captive and had to learn a, a whole new culture, a whole new set of rules, a whole new way of living. Moving into Rome, uh, uh, covering Rome's government and oversight, and that was another major disruption in how they would do life, being allowed to have their community, but still being overseen by Roman government and Roman rule. That were, those were major disruptions. And these were major, all of these represent major disruptions in a people's lives. But the one thing that was common, the one thing common throughout each one of those disruptions is there was always a prophetic voice that was present. They always had a voice of the Lord present. God had his voice present. And God's voice is present right now. So let me go to Daniel. And let me unpack Daniel. Chapter 2, verse 45. Daniel chapter 2, verse 45. And let me get there myself. Hallelujah. I hope this is all right for you this morning. Daniel chapter 2, verse 45. And I'm going to be reading it from the Amplified Version. Well, no, I'm going to read it from the ESV. 
Daniel chapter 2, verse 45. Let's see what it says. Starting at verse 44. In the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom. They shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces, and all these kingdoms, it shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end. And it shall stand forever. Just as you saw the st a stone cut from a mountain by no human hand and broke into pieces, the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold, a great God has made known to the king what shall be after this. And the dream is certain, and its interpretation is sure. Daniel answered, and Daniel is presented with a major issue here. He's taken by force into Babylon. However, in the midst of this, Daniel is exalted. His gift made room for him because Daniel could interpret dreams. This particular dream, however, was extremely difficult. I did not read all the dream because it takes, it's, it's quite dense. You can read it in chapter 2 if you so choose. This dream was difficult. It was, it was a hard dream to interpret. Nebuchadnezzar had magicians, he had sorcerers, he had people around him who were able to interpret dreams. But they could not unpack this one. And so an edict was sent out. Nebuchadnezzar got fed up because for Nebuchadnezzar, uh, uh, when he dreamed, it was like the gods speaking. And he needed to know what the gods were saying. So since these guys were of no use, let's kill them all. And so he sent out an edict to kill them all. But Daniel came. And Daniel was found to be able to interpret the dream. And so in the midst of it all, Daniel saved a bunch of lives by interpreting this dream. Daniel is grateful for, the, for, the God, for God's revelation to him because Nebuchadnezzar, like I said, was going to kill everybody. And Daniel says this in Daniel chapter 2, verse 20, in the Amplified Version. Daniel answered, Blessed be the name of God forever, for wisdom and power belong to him. It is he who changes the times and the seasons. Did you hear that? It is he who changes the times and the seasons. And listen to this. He says, he removes kings and he establishes kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and greater knowledge to those who have understanding. It is he who reveals the profound and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with him. And so we're talking about God. This is Daniel expressing the character of God. The, this dream had dual reference. It had a reference for then, but it also had a reference for future events, things that would occur in the future. The dream had four kingdoms involved. 
And it expressed and represented these kingdoms by using uh, natural things like clay and silver and, and gold and bronze. Those represented four kingdoms, Babylon, Persian, Greek, and Roman kingdoms. Each one of those kingdoms, Israel would experience life under. Israel's life would be disrupted by each one of those empires. But it was Rome that would have the most significant impact. Rome would be resurrected in the future, and the spirit of Rome would be resurrected in the future. And so that dream had reference for, for the current events, but also for the future. But the God of heaven, notice what the scripture says, the God of heaven would cut out of a, of a mountain, he would cut out of that mountain a rock. Look at the NIV translation. It says, God of heaven will cut out of the mountain. He, he, this, this, the meaning of the vision is, is, a, is a rock cut out of a mountain, not by human hands. Not by human hands. And that's key. Because that speaks about us. That speaks, Jesus did speak about his church and a rock and the revelation that his church would receive would be founded upon a rock. And the rock, God said, would not be with human hands. So all of those kingdoms would come to naught. But this kingdom, this is a kingdom that would move from heart to heart. This is a kingdom that would have, that would be hewn out of a mountain. It would be like a rock. The church is built on Jesus and the revelation that Jesus shows his church. That is the rock. The arrival of Jesus initiated this kingdom and the kingdom is spiritual. And unlike the others, it would not rise and fall. It would not depend on humanity for its survival. Because it won't be made with hands. It perpetuates itself moving from heart to heart, unlike those other kingdoms. God's kingdom right now, God's kingdom is, is, is not dependent upon human hands. It's not dependent upon humanity. His kingdom is a light kingdom. His people are light people. His people are hewn from a rock. His people survive by revelation. His people have light communicated to them. This is God's people. Daniel was showing us something all the way in his generation. What would be coming? We're already seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. And I use that to express this. Being seated with Christ in heavenly places is not a position of authority only. It is a position of perspective. It is how we see things. It is a position of perspective. It is how we see things. If you are seated with Christ in heavenly places, you should not be shaken. If you are seated with Christ in heavenly places, you should not be concerned. If you are seated with Christ in heavenly places, you should be secured because by his side is our security. He is the divine revelator. He's our security. He's our rock. Right now, that's where we're seated. 
So church, I'm encouraging you this morning. Put on your prophetic lens. Put on your prophetic glasses. See what God is showing us. Now is the time, like never before, to see what God is showing his church. See what he's saying. That position that we occupy next to Christ, spiritually, is powerful. God wants his people to see what he's doing. Not shake, not be afraid. He's already seen the end of this. But he wants you to glean, understand what he's doing. I had a pastor say to me this week, when this is over, the churches are going to be filled with people. People are going to be returning back to church. Yeah, they're going to return back to church, but not the way we think. Things have shifted. Things have changed. Put on your prophetic lens. See what God is saying. Only those who understand from this divine position will fully understand the implications that we see upon us right now. Mammon is not going to move us. Only the word of the Lord should be moving us. That's what should be moving us right now. So I'm asking you, I'm, I'm downright pleading with you, get into a spiritual space right now. Get into a place, TC, we have led you in spiritual disciplines. We taught you how to fast. We taught you how to pray. We taught you how to build up a spiritual reinforcement. We taught you how to dig deep roots. You've learned that in this church. Now is the time to put those things in motion. We weren't just doing stuff from a religious perspective or position. We were doing these things to show you and build you up. Somebody called me this week and said, Pastor, I remember a, a message you preached years ago about the church going underground, that it began underground and it's going to return underground. And guess what? We're back underground. A different form, but we are. Let's hear what God is saying to us. But let me say this to you before I finish. The greatest disruption that humanity has ever experienced, and I need you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2, verse 11. Luke chapter 2, verse 11. Luke chapter 2, verse 11. Let's go there. Let me, let me get there with you. Luke chapter 2, verse 11. It says this. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. A sign for you. This will be a sign for you. Remember, we're supposed to know the signs that we see. Go to Luke. This was a major disruption here. This was Jesus being born. A major disruption in the earth. Let's go to Luke chapter 2, verse 14. Look at what it says there. Glory to God in the highest and peace and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Peace among those with whom he is pleased. Is God pleased with you today? If he is, you should be walking in peace. Peace arrived 
when Jesus arrived. The day Jesus entered the earth, it was a cataclysmic event for humanity. And Jesus, his arrival, was the, the most disruptive moment in human history. But also his departure on that cross. Because that departure moved us from the temporal to the permanent. So do you have peace today? You should, because our Prince of Peace is still on the throne. He's still seated in heavenly places. He is still communicating. He is the rock that we receive revelation from. Let's bow our hearts. If you're listening to me today and you have not really embraced this person called Jesus that I'm speaking to you about this morning, if you've never made a declaration that, God, I'm a sinner in need of your salvation, then you need to do that with me today. I'm just going to ask you to say these words with me. Say, Father, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for allowing me to live long enough to make this declaration. I am a sinner in need of that Savior. Today, Lord, I give him my life. I make an exchange. I give you the life I thought I needed to live for the one you've always had waiting for me. Father, receive my life and let me embrace your purpose and your vision. I praise you today and I thank you for your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is in his name I pray. Amen. Amen. If you've made that declaration today, please send us an email. You can go to our website, send us an email, or use this info at truthcenter.org and send us an email right now. That's info at truthcenter.org. Send us an email so that we can communicate with you and help you with this journey. This is a powerful time, folks. This is not a time for us to, to be spewing out prof prophetic utterances or things we think God is doing. The wrath of God is coming on you because you did this and next. No, this is a time of grace. This is a time of prophetic grace. You can't cut a person's nose off and then offer him a rose. And so today, we pray that you've heard the Lord and you've heard him in your own context. Well, TC, like every week when you're here, it's time to honor God in our giving. Okay, I hear you clapping at home. Praise God. Everybody's clapping at home. It's time to honor God in our giving. We know what that means. You know that we still need to move forward with financially. We still need to do what we need to do here. The church must move on. We have morphed into online ministry, and we are pretty much... Uh, almost fully blown there but it still takes resources to do what we need to do TC I'm asking you go to your phones right now and begin to honor God with your giving those of you that have never given before this is a great time to, to, to seize a moment you know every time a king entered the presence of a person in the Old Testament th there would be some gift that they would place down at their feet well we've entered the presence of the king this morning
Let's place our gifts at his feet this morning. And if you are accustomed to giving by envelope, um, we're still getting the mail. I don't know how you can do that. We're still getting the mail. However, I want to encourage you to use the online giving. This is a good time to disrupt that part of your life a bit and join us online. I think over 90% of our church gives online. It's a good thing. So TC, we ask right now that you'll begin to honor God with your giving. So let's pray. Father, I thank you for the gift and the giver. Thank you for every person, Lord God, that is honoring you with their wealth this morning. They've heard your voice. They've heard what you've said, Lord God. And I believe we are now going to put on our prophetic lens and begin to see clearly exactly what you are saying in this time because you are speaking. Father, we honor you with our finances. Be blessed by them. Be glorified by them. Let them rise to you as incense off of the altar, as a sweet-smelling savor in your presence this morning. We bless you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, Pastor B is going to come. She's got some announcements for you. We are so glad to be joining you in this space this morning online. Pastor B, here's your mic. You can share with the people what you have to share with them, and then we'll close. Those of you who are visiting us online, this is your first time, we want to take this opportunity to welcome you, to just ask that you would please, if you would like to stay connected with the ministry, if you would visit us at truthcenter.org, that's truthcenter.org, and just leave us an email with your information so that you can stay connected to what we are doing. We have a few announcements. Prayer produces intimacy, and we want to maintain that intimacy that we have here in the Truth Center community. So beginning tomorrow morning, for a half an hour, we are introducing 6 a.m. prayer, 6 a.m. corporate prayer, and that will begin tomorrow morning, and then subsequently it will be every Monday and Friday. So for those of you who would like to join us online, we are launching this prayer tomorrow. King's Jewels, we will be uh, launching your website, your site also this week. So parents, those of you who have children between the ages of 3 and 12, we want to keep them connected, keep them active, keep them learning the word. So we will have the King's Jewels online mm -hmm. this week. Visitors and we had a visitors you're welcome to anyone that's in the under the sound of my voice you don't have to be a member of Truth Center to engage in any of the activities that we are having um, so please if you're active if you're not a member of Truth Center you are still welcome to have your child participate in our King's Jewels program we had a wonderful gathering last week online we were joined by people from, from different areas, even outside of New York. So we don't want you to forget that this Wednesday, we're still gathering. 
It's just online now. We're still gathering at 7.30 p.m. for the gathering online. And that is through the Zoom app. So mm -hmm. watch for the uh, emails concerning that. Pray that this online experience, I know it's a little weird. We're such a loving church here. We like to hug and kiss. And now that we can't do that, it's just a little disruptive. But um, we pray that it has been a positive experience for you and that you are still being reached with the gospel to encourage your hearts and you can reach out and thereby encourage someone else. We love you. TC, visitors walk in victory. Have an awesome week on purpose. Again, we thank you for tuning in this morning, for joining us. We pray that you'll use the website and stay plugged in. Stay plugged in. Uh, teams, directors, get your people around you, your teams, get the teams around you, and pray. Get them in some uh, platform, and you guys pray. Again, we, prayer produces intimacy. You, you are intimate to whom you pray, for whom you pray, and with whom you pray. And on that note, let's pray. Father, we bless you and thank you so much for your grace upon us. We thank you, Lord God, for our time together. Lord, we believe that you have downloaded something very specific for us to hear this morning. Take it, Holy Spirit. Let it enlarge itself in the hearts of your people. And we bless you and praise you for all things. And Father, I pray, may everyone this morning have peace in their homes. In Jesus' pray, precious name. And those of you that are challenged physically this morning watching me online, we have some in our community that are not 100% uh, whole. This morning we pray for you, but in your spirit you are whole. And the spirit of the, of the infirm will heal his infirmity. We pray that this morning. We repeat what the word says to us. Be whole this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's say this together. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if you have love one for another. Blessings. Blessings.